Welcome all you Yesenites to 123 Yes Wrestling. We are live on Facebook to talk about Backlash 2020. Did we see the greatest wrestling match ever? Verdict's out. We might. Oh, I see nods. You see nods because we are live on Facebook. Corey and Ed joined me from Corey's basement. How are we doing, guys? The Man Cave. Sorry. The Man Cave. Yes, we are live in the Corey Wrestling Man Cave, uh, which Ed has now had quite a few hours of enjoyment down here. And as you, some of you that just got on a second ago, he's messing with my stuff, which I don't know what your guys' rules are when it comes to your wrestling collection. But for me, it's like I have a no-touch policy. And clearly... This man is breaking it. It is jeopardizing our very close friendship, but, you know, we'll see what happens. He looks on the verge of just, like, making sweet love with that title. Well, my point is that I've won the championship 17 times, the last time being in 1976 in the Philadelphia Civic Center. I think I have every right to hold my championship belt. And and keep in mind, Ed was born in the 80s, so do the math. That is hearsay, fake news. I was not born in the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... We just finished Backlash. You guys broke quarantine to watch it together. We are hanging out on Facebook Live. What'd you guys overall? What'd you think of the show before we get too into what I gotta say? Well, I mean, for myself, there definitely were some matches that I found myself really enjoying. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we're gonna get into the details of it, but um, overall, I think the the pay per view was a good one. I agree. I enjoyed uh, the show. I think they are, you know, slowly figuring out some new ways to make these uh, empty arena shows a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, happy to break it down with uh, you guys today and all of our viewers on Facebook. Thank you guys for joining us. But, uh, yeah, overall, a very good show, in my opinion. So it sounds like there's love to be brought So before we bring that love, just want to hit everyone out there who's joining us on Facebook Live. Wonderful. Thank you guys for coming out here. Hopefully we get a decent crowd going on. Secrets are being told, as you can see, as I'm I'm doing my due diligence here. But make sure you guys check out the show. It's over on Anchor.fm. You found us on Facebook. You know where to find it. And we link the show usually once a week. Our hits you know our subscription and when we drop a show kind of changes here and there but make sure you like subscribe and follow us and we're always looking for reviews how many stars we looking for five stars five stars five stars that's right five stars three times go to your three favorite places and review us with five stars three times and once again the scotch and i got that out perfectly this time so awesome (laughs) well done sir. let's jump in because we got a lot to talk about here for Backlash. But I'm not sure if we're going to get him this time. But normally we like to start the show with the sits and fits from Mr. Fitness. Not sure if he's going to b- bust out of the quarantine bunker, much like Ed busted out. Oh, my out. God. Oh, my God. Wanna be Jim Rats? Yes, it is I, live and in Technicolor. Or is that even a thing? And I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, it is I, Mr. Fitness, for tonight's Facebook Live Sits and Fits. Ladies and gentlemen, we saw something. It was something that was amazing. It was quite possibly the greatest thing in sports entertainment 
Yes, I'm talking about Backlash, and I'm talking about the greatest wrestling match ever. The match had all kinds of stuff happening. The match went on what seemed to be forever. And there were moments that were just, you have no words to describe the feeling that people were experiencing. And ladies and gentlemen, that is why we are all wrestling fans is for these moments, for these experiences and these feelings and these moves and these and this wrestling, and ladies and gentlemen, I got to say it now. Yes, Mr. Fitness is declaring that the greatest wrestling match was indeed the Viking Raiders versus the Street Profits. They lived up to the hype. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can now go to sleep sound knowing that you got the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see the greatest wrestling match in history. And that's how I'm going to close this off, ladies and gentlemen. That is this week's Mr. Fitness's Sits and Fits, reminding you, don't sit, just stay fit. What? What? I'm speechless. I didn't what? think he was a real person, Chris. What? Wait, wait a minute. So does this mean we have finally answered the question that all the Yesenites have been wondering? That in fact, Mr. Fitness is not Eddie? <laughs> By God, folks, we solved the mystery. Mr. Fitness is not Ed. I rest my case. I'm done. Well, at least we figured that out. It's similar to how we figured out just who was the real Undertaker at SummerSlam 1993. Mystery solved. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We learned tonight that Mr. Fitness, his favorite match and the greatest match ever was the Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders, a match I didn't even realize was on the card until the show started so it's crazy that that came out of left field there Corey surprisingly returns you all right well man you know you gotta have bathroom breaks i mean you never work this into the schedule so it's like i gotta go and you know i do put together a hell of a schedule and yeah i don't leave much room for bathroom breaks yeah all right guys we're here enough screwing around we're here for backlash 2020 my fuzzy pen just made it into the camera uh, so, pre-show got the U.S. title. So, Apollo Crews versus Andrade took place on the pre-show. Did you guys get a chance to check that one out? I did not. Um, unfortunately, I did not either because the pre-show was, you know, missed. But I was very excited to see that Apollo Crews retained. Um, one of my fears with this Apollo Crews push was that he would not see his first title defense uh, in lights go very well, but I am happy that it uh, went well for him. Uh, looking for feedback from anybody that is watching about the match itself. Uh, is it worth checking out? Is it something we should uh, you know, dedicate our time to? But I am definitely happy Apollo got the W. Well, 
Your answer is solved because I watched it. I watched the pre-show just in <laughs> case there was a match, and I watched it. And we had Apollo Cruz versus Andrade, and Apollo Cruz pretty easily dispatched of, <laughs> um, <laughs> easily dispatched. Sorry, Ringsiders is making me laugh, crapping on Mr. Fitness. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Mr. Fitness, he'll grow. He grows. He grows on you. All of a sudden, you're just like, all of a sudden, you're just sitting there and you're just like, what? Yeah, exactly. He's just, it's one of those things. And you're like, what is this? By the third time, you're just like, oh, man, how did I live without this? Apollo <laughs> Cruz versus Andrade. Like I said, Apollo Cruz really easily dispatched um, Andrade. I think if they would have been on the main card, I think they would have put on a hell of a better match. Um, I think that... Um, Andrade kind of just, they phoned it in, I think. I mean, it was a solid match, high action. They work really well together, but you can tell that they didn't seem like they really wanted to give it their all because they were on the pre-show was, was my impression of it. Um, at some point, Angel Garza did jump up to try to create a distraction to get uh, Andrade the uh, advantage, but Kevin Owens was doing commentary for this match, so he jumped up and stunned uh, Garza on the floor, and that allowed a distraction so Andrade was distracted and, and, and all of what? those good things and I wouldn't be surprised if, if part of the frustration is over the fact that it's like they ended up on the pre-show but yet they they gave a lot of tv time to this there was a lot yeah this was raw for the past month right. that was building towards this storyline so then for this them to get that kind of attention it's kind of a shame I think yes. there were other matches that should have been on the Chris, pre-show if they really wanted to Chris the most important thing was Selena Vega at ringside for this match she was, and she had a rose in her hair. I think she Perfect. did it for you, and you missed it. Perfect. <sighs> but I will definitely and give it my time. You missed it. All right. <laughs> it's worth checking out for Selena Vega at its own. Always. So then we started the card proper, Backlash, the greatest wrestling pay-per-view ever. And we opened with the Iconics versus Alexa Bliss and uh, Nikki Cross versus the Champs, Sasha and Bayley. They had an interesting match. We'll just go through. Sasha and Bailey did retain their championships tonight. So, spoilers. But that's what you're here for. You want to know who won. The match was fine. I'm not sure what you guys thought, but Billy Kay was looking really rough. Her timing was off. The way she threw punches, like Peyton Royce was really bringing it, and the timing and the smooth. And then once Billy Kay got in, I really lost all attention in this match. It really just she was trying, and I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from her. She was really trying and busting her ass to try to keep up with everybody, but she really looked a step behind everybody. But this match was a solid opener. Um, the, nothing really crazy happened, and Sasha and Bailey won. Which they did announce that the winner was going to face who was it? Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox on Wednesday's NXT. So we do already have an NXT yeah. or a women's tag team champs match this week on NXT. So it's very interesting. We'll see Sasha and Bailey on Wednesday. Gentlemen, what did you guys think as I just rambled? One of the things I wanted to talk about right off the bat is at this point, you know, in my opinion, Bailey and Sasha, they've put a ton of time invested into the storyline of if they or will they break up. At this point, I think it is a good thing to have the tag championships on them. You can now elevate the story, tell it for a longer period of time. Um, I really think they're going to try to hold on to the blow off of eventually them breaking up for a long time now with this title reign. So overall, it was a good match. I also noticed the same thing about the Iconics. My feeling is a very entertaining tag team. I just want to see them get solid, more solid in the ring. 
Um, but, you know, hey, overall, it was a nice little opener. Uh, yeah, I think it was solid. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I think uh, a six-woman a six, a six woman match is already difficult enough because you got so many players involved and everybody's got to get in their spots. So, I mean, I think that that already made this match at a disadvantage. Um you know, Ed and I were talking during this match about this whole thing with uh, Sasha and Bailey and, and and prolonging, you know, the eventual breakup. And, you know, he was talking about even it going to Mania. And, you know, him and I kind of talked about it. And I said, well, if they keep the belts on them, I was like, you know, the tag belts, I can see how they can prolong this, you know, much longer. Um, you know, if you take the belts off of them, though, I don't think it can make it to Mania. So, I mean, um, I... I wouldn't mind seeing this go longer. Now, obviously, anyone that does listen to our podcast knows I am a mark for the Iconics. So to say I was disappointed that the Iconics did not win uh, is an understatement. But, um, you know, hopefully they'll uh, get another shot in the future. I'm sure they will. It did look like the Iconics were getting close. I did imagine you sitting in that man cave getting super excited. They looked like they were about to uh, pin and then uh, Alexa went for her move off the top rope onto one of the Iconics, unfortunately. And then Sasha Banks came in, rolled up Alexa Bliss, and that was the end of that match. So it was a solid opener. had some high energy. Like I said, they all gave it their all. Like I said, my only real thing was Billy Kay, unfortunately. But I know she's trying, so I don't want to shit on her too hard because I know she was busting her ass. Uh, then after that, they did show an Extreme Rules preview. So Extreme Rules is the next WWE pay-per-view. It's going to come on July 19th, which I thought was interesting because it's actually the night after Slammiversary. So we got actually a big wrestling weekend with Slammiversary and Impact Wrestling doing their big things with um, who's who's showing up. You know, they have their claiming a bunch of the fired WWE superstars are coming to Slammiversary. So that's going to be a kind of a big wrestling weekend, it looks like, here in the middle yeah. of July. So I thought that was interesting that they picked the night after Slammiversary to, I don't know, I wonder if it was on purpose. Uh, then we moved on to good old Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus, and this match was opened up with the piss test heard round the world. Because they opened this show, which then I thought was interesting because my brain goes, I feel like I've seen this before. And then I went on the internet and did a little bit of Googling, as we all want to do from time to time, and realized that that exact segment that we saw on SmackDown was done in 2006. And I found a Cage Side Seat article that showed a video side-by-side -side of Shawn Michaels forced to take a piss test in the ring and throwing it in Vince McMahon's face, saying the exact same line that was from Robin Hood Men in Tights, it's better to be pissed on or pissed off than pissed on. So I thought that was really weird, but this is kind of a dirty angle with Jeff Hardy and his DUI and his leaning really heavy into all of this stuff. But we ran into Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. What did you guys think of this match? Well, from the from the storyline standpoint, I mean, yes, of course, you know, everyone's got their feelings about whether this this type of angle should have been done and, and because of, you know, Jeff Hardy's past. But, you know, like I said before in previous podcasts, Jeff Hardy is in a position where he can turn down any ideas that are thrown. He's just in that position. So I take that aside. The delivery of everything is good. I mean, yeah, of course, Seamus is, is really digging in deep. Adam, but that's how you perform. I mean, if you're going to do this, you got to do it right. So from that aspect, I've been very impressed with Seamus's performance on this. Now, and then also, you know, it, it, 
it creates interest into the match itself. So um, I thought the match was good. You know, two guys that clearly know what they're doing. Um, Ed, you know, I'll let him go into details, but he brought up an interesting point about what he would like to see uh, in the future with Sheamus, which I do agree with. If you want to, no, I, I think overall the this was a. I think the story was executed well. I, I hope the fact that Jeff Hardy, you know, had to give his okay to something like this means that this time, uh, you know, we we don't uh, get excited for a Jeff Hardy uh, run and then you know get disappointed. Uh, however. Uh, I just want to say Seamus, you know, the guy, this guy looks like he's in the best shape of his life. He's back in the character that got him success in the first place. And I think uh, based on his history in WWE, he's due for at least a couple more runs. And I think hopefully this is the start of a good run for him. Um, You know, this is the guy who surprised everyone back in what, 2010, taking the title away in a table match versus John Cena, you know, and, and I mean, since then he's stayed relevant as best as he could. Had a great tag team with uh, uh, Cesaro with the Bar. I mean, the guy stays relevant, and he just looks like right now he's ready to do some some damage. And I hope uh, I hope that's exactly what happens. Don't man, I can't remember the name of that team. What was that? What was I was going to say? Don't forget that foreigner team he did. But it, I was going to oh, say the League, Americans, of, uh, the, the League of Nations. League of Nations. Don't forget yes. about the League of Nations. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he champ? Didn't he get the championship I, as he, leader of the League of Nations? Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to look up the history, but he might have. I'm pretty certain he did have uh, the championship for a brief period during the League of Nations era. As Chris Googles right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't care enough. The, uh, the story of this match was that Jeff Hardy is old, and can he still do it? So that's the storyline we're going. And Jeff Hardy got his ass kicked this whole match. Just pummeled is what happened to Jeff Hardy this whole time. Sheamus pretty much dominated him outside of flurries, and the commentators were very big on just, does Jeff Hardy have it in him? Does he have more? What can he do? And it was very just like, all right, I get it. I get it. And then they were working out over the knee, and Sheamus ended up picking the win, picking up the win, which I think he actually needed to pick up this win. Uh, Jeff Hardy obviously doesn't need a win at this point in his career to be relevant. Sheamus, if you want to build him to anything, he needs to beat people like Jeff Hardy. So I think it was a good move. During this match, I did have a question that I was curious about, and I wonder if you guys have an answer for me. But I did space out, and I wondered, where does Jeff Hardy still get Jenko jeans from? Oh, that is a... like he's worn those same jeans for like thirty years. Can yes. you buy those? Like, is it the same pair? He I has was to have more. Say, let's coming from someone, and I'm I'm gonna hate to say this out loud, especially when we're on Facebook Live. But coming from someone that has held on to jeans much longer than I probably should be, I would not be surprised at all if those are in fact jeans dating back to. When the Hardys, you know, first uh, got going in the late 90s, early 2000s. Or maybe he bought like 25 pairs of the same Jinkos back in 96, 95 and just, you know, put those extras away. That would be the smart thing to do. If you really mm-hmm. believe in the look, you got to do it. That's why I have <laughs> so many members only jackets. You believe and... in the look, you keep it going. <laughs> and I'm going to think that probably what Ed 
is saying is probably true, but I want to believe what Corey's saying is true because I want those genes in the Smithsonian. Like, they just deserve to be there, and I think that that's where we're going. <laughs> now, while we're on this, before we move on from the Jeff Hardy-Sheamus match and this whole storyline with DWIs and all of this stuff, now, there was a story that came out this week from com that reported that the part of this reason that this storyline took place with the DUI and the you know last week they had Jeff Hardy and he was unconscious and covered in alcohol and they were doing this really kind of questionable story now they reported that the point of this storyline was to actually blend in Google searches so if people Google search Jeff Hardy DUI the WWE storyline comes up and not his actual upcoming court case so I was curious with the idea of this is this sketchy or genius? I, or how do you, is I'm this? Gonna, the, I can tell this very, the first time you guys have seen it. You, before you even said that, I that never crossed my mind. And now that you've delivered that information to me, I consider that absolute genius. Pure it's genius. sketchy genius. I mean, you you have to put sketchy in there because come on, that's that's dirty. That's dirty. That's a dirty move right there, man. Of just like, oh, we don't want you know. I mean, it, you're covering up his mistakes and you're covering up him, you know, doing. But does anybody? Just, do, but do people not really know? That's I, the thing. I would say on the scale from sketchy genius to Lanny Poffo actual genius, <laughs> this is probably somewhere at the Lanny Poffo level i think it's great i appreciate that you reference the genius because i'm such a fan of him too he's great and he had your back i think you've been hanging out in his man cave too long you guys are <laughs> on the same page i don't like it all right then we saw a preview which we haven't talked about yet on the show and i need to know but we they showed a preview for this year's wrestling game wwe 2k battlegrounds the rock looks like a smooth baby what do you think, Corey? You buying this game day one? Are you going to keep your trend going? I mean, you've been singing the praises of 2K20, the only person in the world that loves that game. Because the game is actually good, okay? I don't care what people say. And you know what? If people want to make a comment, please go make a comment on our Facebook Live comment section. WB2K20 is actually a decent game, especially after they fixed up some of the glitches. Now, moving forward, because I don't want to hear Ed make little remarks because we're right next to each other and things could go wrong. Uh, in terms of the Battlegrounds game, now, here's the funny thing. When I first saw the preview of it, absolutely hated the idea. But at the same time that I'm seeing it, I have my son sitting next to me watching the same preview for the game. And to no surprise, guess what? He likes it. He was like, oh, we need to get that game. And I'm just thinking in my brain, there is no way in hell I'm going to buy this stupid game. It's too childish for me. So, but and I said, Dad, please just let me use my own money to buy this game. <laughs> That's right. I am his son. <sighs> no, because I wouldn't let my son even hold that. Belt. Okay, come on. Let's get that straight. Well, if it makes you feel better, Corey, if history shows... 2K had NBA Playgrounds, which is a very similar game, and it was a discount title. I think it only cost 20 bucks. So chances are you might not be out 60 for Battlegrounds. So Okay. Well, that's good. Just curious. We haven't talked about it on the show. Just curious of what you thought with all of that. All right. Then we moved on to Asuka defending her Raw Women's Championship against Nia Jax, the Destroyer. She injures most girls, and here she was trying to take out Asuka. How, uh, yeah, you guys just, what did you, you guys know, think? You know what? I, I, I'm ready, and, and Ed, you can chime in at any point. Please do so. Um, 
I'm probably going to get some heat for this. So people that are listening and want to comment, you can trash me. Please do so. But all this heat on Nia being a, a sloppy worker or injuring people, I'm going to be honest with you. It takes two people to do a wrestling match. I'm just saying. So it's like if you're getting a move from Nia Jax, you have to make sure you're also doing your part in terms of taking the move. So what, Kyrie Zane is like 100 pounds lighter and got picked up, and she has no control over where Nia Jax puts her. So how is she supposed to not but get thrown into the turnbuckle? If you look into, if you look at the footage when she went into the stairs, I'm sorry, she could have done it. Man, and I know I'm going to get heat for this, so I, I apologize. I'm going to give you heat for it. <laughs> yes, and I, I apologize. We can have some fun with debating if you would like. But no, bottom line is like when I looked at it and I told Ed, and I know he probably doesn't agree with me either, but it just there was things she could have done to help help soften that blow, and I just feel like she didn't do it. At least from my vantage point. Now I could be wrong. Like I said, you know, we're all. We're I think she here. should have used more of her body, including her neck, to stop the blow to the neck. That's what I think. <laughs> but use your body. Absorb. But, absorb. But here's the thing. So it's like I mean, but Nia Jax. I mean, okay. So you know, some injuries happened. But, okay, we got to take a negative and turn to a positive. It's like it only creates more of her being this monster force, which obviously, based off her size, you, you might as well take advantage of. Do I think she, she's a decent wrestler? Yes. Is she the best? No, by far not. But she's not meant to be. She's one of those big, giant people. They're not, they're not supposed to be running around doing her King Radas or anything, but they're supposed to look uh, destructive, so once again, yeah, but there's a way of looking part of professional wrestling is to look destructive without actually being destructive. And the fact that on wrestling observer radio over yesterday, I think Saturday, they said there's actual petitions with the superstars trying to get her fired because no one wants to work with her because she's so dangerous. I just so. think, you know, maybe they could come to her, you know, create some communication amongst the talent and Naya. Cause you know, obviously, you know, I'm not saying that she's 100% safe, you know, obviously, you know, there's certain moves that, you know, based on the, the look of it, you know, she probably was a little careless. Okay, we'll communicate with that and let's try to work with it and see if we can move forward in a positive way. Because I just don't want to see the the aspect of this talent being wasted because you don't get too many big women that really look like destructive forces. You're not going to mm -hmm. see a ton of, you know... Nia Jax or Nyla Roses or um, Awesome Kongs in the world. That's why you got to utilize them when you have them. Well, she needs to watch some Nyla Rose and some Awesome Kong matches and figure out because Awesome Kong did some crazy shit with uh, oh, I blanked on her name. I knew it a second ago. Gail Kim. Yeah. And they had amazing matches back in TNA. And there was a vast, vast size difference, and they never hurt each other as far as I'm aware. Now, someone might be able to look up a thing, but I don't remember anything of Awesome Kong injuring people. But we're, gonna, we're here to talk about Asuka versus Nia Jax, which they actually had a solid match. I'm not going to uh, crap on it too much. They had a good match. I thought it was nice to see Asuka get so much offense. I, I was worried that Asuka was going to get squashed. I liked Asuka getting an opportunity to be dominant and to look good. Um, I was very curious why the storyline of this match was why Asuka didn't earn the championship 
when I know she didn't beat Becky, but she still won the Money in the Bank, which was, you know, climb the corporate ladder. I mean, that wasn't the easiest match in the world that she did win. I mean, she did have to knock Baron Corbin off a ladder to get it. So I don't, I don't, I didn't really understand the storyline of just that she didn't earn this match, um, I th- or the championship. So I thought that was kind of a weird storyline, but we did get kind of a screwy finish because it was a count out finish. So Oscar won. It looks like they're going to continue this and head towards Extreme Rules. I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to continue. I was actually telling Ed when the match ended. I, I'm not a fan of those kind of finishes at pay per views. Um, but obviously if the story is going to continue, um, you know, uh, the finish is acceptable for what it is. Now I would love to get your guys' thoughts on this. This is just my thought. I actually, you know, clearly Asuka is the face in this match and I don't know how I feel about it because I feel with this Asuka character, which by the way, I, I love, I, I love what she has done during this this uh, unfortunate time that we're living in, this pandemic, but that character she established during this time, I feel is a better heel versus a face. So I just had mixed feelings just looking at her in this match, and obviously she's being presented as a face. Absolutely. Absolutely. I liked it more. I was very nervous about this match, and it turned out to be at least entertaining. I, I got through it, and I only cringed a little. My only thought, which is something I'm sure a lot of wrestling fans are watching that are watching the product now in the, you know, during the pandemic era is, you know, this ended in a double count out and there's absolutely nothing we can do from really a reaction perspective other than complain about it online. So it just, you know, begs the question, how many uh, of these kind of finishes are we going to get? Um, because there's really no uh, fear of a crowd, you know, completely, uh, losing their mind over it. So I just, I, it was something that I talked to Corey about. I was like, wow, you know, this, uh, this was a pretty decent match that ended in a pretty, uh, you know, uneventful way. And I'm sure a live crowd would have not been happy with it, but because we don't have a crowd, you know, it does allow the story to kind of just kind of continue at their own pace, which is pretty much how every story is going at this point. No one knows if any of these people that are currently in the, their positions would be actually over with a live crowd, but here we are. This is basically what WWE is thinking is the best move, and we just have to deal with it. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll see where the story goes and how we proceed. Well, oh, hold on. Before we move forward, you know, we, we have a listener that's uh, referencing my, my like for the Iconics, is, and they, they're mentioning that they, they didn't know. So this is John, one of our listeners. Um, is that a bad thing? Someone want to help me out? I, I know I'll put money that he's being sarcastic because you gush on them every you know, episode. Because what is wrong with liking the Iconics? I mean, they're beautiful. And you know what, Chris? Screw you and your your whole timing thing with, you know, in, in the match. Okay, you know what? Everyone has an off night. I, but everyone needs a little bit of Iconics in their life. And, well, just saying. We... We all want to be iconic. That's what we strive for as human beings. So, you know, I, I, I can't hate on them. Sorry, didn't mean to take the sidebar, but, you know. Hey, sidebars are what happen when we're live. That's right. <laughs> all right. Then we moved on to Braun Strowman defending the Universal Championship against Miz and Morrison. They did add a stipulation in this handicap match that stated whoever gets the pin would be 
universal champion. I couldn't. I was going to say U.S. universal champion. So they couldn't do free bird rules. They weren't both going to be U.S. champions. They've built this up until today. So then that was going to obviously factor into the finish as it did. I did. I did enjoy this. I haven't watched much SmackDown or seen much of this build for this feud. Um, watching Friday SmackDown or the last couple with Miz and Morrison playing pranks on Braun Strowman. Um, the music video, that was the first time I saw one of their music videos, the hey, hey, ho, ho thing, and that kind of cracked me up. I yeah, got to have your your sarcasm font, John. Star, sarcasm font. Sorry, I got distracted <laughs> by the chat. But I enjoyed Miz and Morrison doing and what this turned out to be. It was mostly a one-sided affair, really. I mean, it was Miz and Morrison doing quick tags, tag teaming, really keeping Braun running and always never knowing where to look. And he was always twisting around and really looked like it was going to be Miz or Morrison winning this title until it was the last second when it looked like Morrison was going to actually win it and Miz pulled him off and then freaked out and threw him back on like oops I'm sorry like his instinct took over but I actually enjoyed as goofy as this match was it was a nice little break after the opening couple matches you you know and the other thing I think it really brings out uh in regards to Miz and Morrison is just how entertaining they are the the chemistry between them two is phenomenal I'm gonna be honest with you I like this run with them better than their original run because I think that they've learned over time just how to uh, embrace their characters in a slightly different way. You know, when they first started, they were a little more on the serious side. Now this is more comedy, but um, I got to say though, to a casual fan, it, my wife, my wife right now thinks Miz and Morrison is the most entertaining thing in wrestling. And she, I mean the music video thing that they did at the beginning you know, after their entrance, she thought it was hilarious. We we actually thought it was hilarious, too. And um, I think this is really just giving us a sign of good things to come for them. Um, obviously, you know, they'll eventually split and go their separate ways. But I definitely, and I know one of you might have said this, but I definitely see Miz getting the uh, the big title again. I hope so. I've been wanting the Miz to get the championship or get a serious run for years now, and I'm still waiting for it. But, yeah, I'm really glad. I know when Morrison first came back to WWE, we were very like, why did he pick WWE? And then all of a sudden they just threw him in a tag team, and he didn't have a very big, like, reunion. He didn't really come back. He didn't come back super uh, – he didn't get the big welcome back. He didn't get a lot of stuff. He kind of just was like, hey, John Morrison's here on the bump. And everyone's like, hi, John Morrison. And then to get put back in a tag team with the Miz, you're like, all right. But now seeing the two of them, he looks like he's having fun. And I just think that it was a really good move for him to think he fits in well. And it's probably making some good money to be there. But this was a solid match. You guys enjoy this match? I enjoyed it. I think Braun uh, did win. Braun did win, if I didn't say it earlier. Braun did win. Um, I don't take anything away from Miz or Morrison. I think it's good that they got this opportunity to get back together because, quite frankly, before this, I was a little worried for both of them. Um, so at least we got, you know, a, a pretty entertaining program. And, you know, who knows what they can do with it uh, for now. But, I mean, overall, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and then it looks like we'll move on to the Fiend and Braun for Extreme Rules, I'm assuming. Probably. Probably, probably. All right, then we moved on to what really was the least live main event because everything else after this match was taped uh, previously. But we had Drew McIntyre defending the WWE Championship against Bobby the Almighty Lashley, um, which this match was scary as hell, man. 
those two guys like clobbered each other and then tried to like pick each other up and throw each other around like they were cruiserweights and there were some near like misses like catastrophic there was like catastrophic yes. moves oh, that happened I in have this to, I have to bring up the moment when Lashley tried to put uh, McIntyre onto his shoulders in a, like a fireman's carry and all of a sudden like lost balance and he started to fall head first and thankfully McIntyre being the professional he is was able to flip and at least make the best out of that. But that was scary because I know we both reacted. Yeah, uh, There were several spots in this where they were trying to flip each other around like cruiserweights, and I know both those guys can do it, but it it was kind of scary. But uh, this is a hard-hitting, you know, slabs of beef. A lot of beefy boys in this ring doing their thing, man, and it was uh, slobber knocker. But, you know, I, I enjoyed, and I was telling Ed while we were watching it, I actually enjoyed the way the match started. I liked that Lashley got an opening advantage and then suddenly Drew, as soon as the bell hits and the match officially starts, Drew is now the underdog. He is at a disadvantage. And this was a nice showing of, you know, his ability to overcome the obstacle as what WWE often likes to do with their babyface, especially babyface champions is, you know, show them struggling and at a disadvantage and then figure out a, some crazy way to overcome it. So uh, for two big guys, I mean, to, to put that kind of match together, I mean, it, it was great. It really was. Um, I was entertained. Yeah. I mean, I, I have nothing but love for MVP in this, in this whole thing too. This guy, um, I mean, he is proving to be a pretty awesome manager. It's literally saving uh, Bobby Lashley right now. I mean, Bobby Lashley just got done fighting in, you know, a universal championship match, or I'm sorry, WWE championship match. But, um, you know, yeah, was it scary? Sure. But these two guys, you know, definitely brought their A game. This is a match that a live crowd absolutely should have seen. And, you know, I, I really hope that Bobby Lashley does get a chance to um, continue this, like, character evolution and maybe stay in the high, uh, title hunt, you know, in the future. But the uh, second, you know, point is, you know, just about Drew, how good he's doing as champion. Um, I will be very upset, and I think a lot of people will be very upset if this title gets taken off of him before crowds return. Um, Drew absolutely deserves to have a crowd uh, behind him with that championship because this whole um, you know no crowd uh, run that we've had since uh, coronavirus, I feel he's done an incredible job, and he absolutely deserves yeah. to be in front of a crowd again. Absolutely. But does he? But does he deserve to have lose the belt before the crowds? And then regain it with a crowd. Does he does should he should they go that route or should the crowds come back and he just walk out as champ? Uh, I'd rather have him walk out as champ, um, only because I think the people that have been watching, that you know are are there and you know hopefully you know in a good amount when we can actually get back into the arenas will really uh, show him a sign of respect. You know that's my hope at least. So yeah, I'd rather him just have the belt. Come, you know, I would talk to the crowd because just asking. We, just everyone questions. knows how WWE is with champions. It's like once you lose the belt, they seem to never give it back, or it'll be you. Kofi, for... Kofi, right? Exactly. Uh, Drew and Lashley, as we said, scary, hard hitting match. Everyone came out looking good in this. Lashley looked like a beast. Drew McIntyre looked like a beast. Lana came out as predicted, as I'm sure many of us know, to no surprise. Lana came out. MVP was like, what are you doing here? She shook her finger at MVP. She climbed up in the ring to yell at the ref. 
distracted Bobby Lashley, who ended up getting claymored, and then he lost the match, which luckily they didn't no-sell the claymore, which was nice. So Drew McIntyre did retain against Bobby Lashley, but did set up potentially for further feuds and kept everyone looking strong, I thought. Um, and then if you are interested in any more learning about MVP, I did write an article over on CBR.com and posted to the Facebook page about MVP in this current run, how he got here. A lot of it did, was speculation heading into this match, but it's still a good read because, you know, I wrote it. I think, you know, that's all you need to know. I'll read it, Chris. Thank you. I like those clicks. That's how <laughs> I make that money. <laughs> then, guys, I don't know if you guys are ready for this. I don't know if you guys are ready, but we did should have Mr. I, Fitness's I go, I go favorite. I, it just depends on how you felt about the Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders, a match I didn't even know was on this card, but they were defending the Raw Championship, Tag Team Championship. It was coming up next, and then we cut, and it was the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits, and they were fighting outside, and they were beating each other up and beating each other up. Then all of a sudden, the Street Profits grabbed golf clubs, and then the Viking Raiders grabbed an axe, and then Ivar grabbed a bowling ball, and then they were having flashbacks of all of their things that they've been doing. Then they just kept fighting, and they kept fighting out there, and this all of a sudden became a very one of the pre-tamed cinema matches, and there was music, and everything was going, and they were fighting out in the parking lot, and they were just beating each other up, and they were fighting in this weird, like, hallway with, like, you know, kind of those banquet ceilings over the top, and then... uh Montez Ford took a bowling ball to the crotch, and they just were use, hamming up everything that they've done up until this point with their anything you can do, I can do better storyline. And they were hamming it up and hamming it up till they got outside, and then all of a sudden a bunch of motorcycles pulled up. And they got off, and they were ninjas, and Akira Tozawa took off his helmet, and he was leading a band of ninjas. And then all of a sudden the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders turned into the Viking Profits, and they f- had a giant kung fu movie. Like, the music changed to kung fu music. They did sound effects, like, the whole thing. And they did a kung fu battle against uh, Akira Tozawa and his band of ninjas. And then when they were all dispatched except for Tozawa and the Viking Prophets were getting ready to attack Akira Tozawa, another ninja came up, a giant man that had a sword, and everybody's looking up at him, looking ridiculously, to the point that Ivar used the force and made a turkey leg come out of the trees, and he caught it, and then he held it, and he took a bite, and then he was getting ready to fight this giant ninja, and then they ran away, (laughs) and this thing was just chaos. And they just ran around. They never made it to the ring. This was just, you know, this was all pure comedy. But it was entertaining, I thought. You guys might have hated it out there. I'm seeing smiles on your faces, so I'm sure you guys didn't hate it. And we know Mr. Fitness didn't. What would you guys think, man? I, I will say one thing, and one thing only. And that is, Ivar, ladies' man. <laughs> yeah, they did the whole flashback of every woman in every one of those bits saying, Ivar. He's kind of cute, and then his partner, not so much. Eric, <laughs> not so much, not so much. And he'd always smile and then frown, yeah. and smile and frown. Yeah, and Chris, I have to applaud you on your recap of that because yes. you even helped me remember some things I forgot happened in there. I mean, of course, the, the ninjas thing will always stick in my head, but how could you not be entertained by it? I mean, take whatever they've done prior for the last few weeks, put that off to the side. It's like... How do you not get entertained when you're in the middle of this, what looks to be a backlot type brawl match, and all of a sudden you get motorcycles and these ninjas coming out, and 
then suddenly it becomes like a kung fu movie and suddenly the tag teams are now one unit i man that that's what i'm telling you and i think ed you've referenced this uh clip but this is this is vince mcmahon sitting at his desk about to take a swig of water saying we make movies that yep. that's what this is. This is a pure example of it. And you know what? I mean, given what they've done to build this up, this makes sense that this is what that match would be. So, and I've told Ed during this, I was like, this is what's going to get remembered during this particular time period in wrestling. This no audience thing is going to be the cinematic matches that ended up getting created during this time. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, honestly, it was a silly match. It was fun, but hey, it also adds a lot of layers to the like the Viking Raiders now are you know you 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 got them as these you know badass Viking guys, but now you're making us like you know kind of laugh and understand that they're kind of funny, and that's cool because now you can do a whole bunch of different stuff with both the Street Profits, the Viking Raiders. Akira Tozawa is now the leader of the what Yakuza. I don't know what's going on, but. It's hey, it's entertainment. I was entertained. I was not on my phone the entire time when this was on my TV, and that's usually how I grade if uh, you know I'm really being entertained by something is if I'm really just watching it the entire time and not looking down at my phone. So kudos to them for putting it together. And I had no idea it was coming. Like it just started, and I was like, "What is this?" And then you kind of yeah. realized after about five minutes what you're watching, and then you just kind of are like, "All right." And then next thing you know, you're smiling, and it was cracking me up. It had moments, and I I enjoyed it. We didn't get a finish. I'm assuming we'll get that tag team championship match tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw, and we'll talk about it on the next episode of One Two Three Yes Wrestling Podcast. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, a that's a lot to unpack there. It was a lot to unpack, but we did it. We did it. We did it very well. All I have to say is ninjas can really ruin a night. They can. They that really... me, when Samoa Joe said that, that cracked me up. Ninjas can really <laughs> ruin a night. Oh, by the way, quick thing. Uh, Samoa Joe on commentary, I think he's been working out very well. So I want to give him props. I've been enjoying his work so far. I think he's fitting in very well onto the team. So, you know, Joe, I know you probably don't listen to our podcast, but if you do, great job. Chris with his negativity. Nope. No, Samoa Joe is not one of the few people in our Facebook live chat. I'm oh. putting money on it. Oh. But he might, you know, you know, he might listen to the show. Samoa Joe, listen to the show. Then we got, we were here, the greatest wrestling match ever that, as I told Ed before we went live, I cracked up laughing because when the match started, ding, ding, bell started, Todd Phillips goes, this is the greatest match ever. And then the match started. And when the match ended, the last thing you heard on that pay-per-view was Todd Phillips going, was that the greatest match ever? <laughs> and that just was just a hilarious bookend. Like, he started that match because that match went 45 minutes. They This was previously taped. Reportedly, they taped it before In Your House last uh, Sunday. When the crowd would be lively, they taped it before any the, before the show went live. They had a week to go over with the edits and the tapes to make sure that they could get the best match out of these two. I do think that they did get a solid match out of them, even though it did go 45 minutes and did not need to. That's my opinion. I don't need 45-minute matches to be the greatest. That's not a sign of a great match to me is how long it goes. It's once, as Ed said, the engagement. Am I looking at my phone? Am I spacing out? Am I paying attention? As I have notes of when I spaced out during this match. But that is once again me. But 
I thought that was comical that it started as being the greatest match ever and then ended with a question of if it was the greatest match ever. There's a lot to unpack in this one, but just overall, I just did it deliver. Well, I think it it delivered as a very good match. Um, it's and and th- this whole thing about the greatest wrestling match. I mean, Edge has already went on record saying it's like. He, you can't do that. It, it, it's it's so subjective. It, it you know the greatest wrestling match. It's like can can anybody ever achieve that? It's like you know it's not possible. So, um, but in regards to the length, Chris, I'm I'm gonna kind of give you my vantage point from it because yes, it was long, but if you go back, and I know you won't, but if you go back and try to look at this match in terms of like parts <laughs> to a movie. Because this was done in uh, in plays. What's the term that they use in plays? Uh, acts. Yeah. And if you try to watch that match in terms of that mindset, look for acts. You will see that this match was put together in the form of acts. And with that aspect, and that means that this match was done in a very storytelling aspect. Um, and no surprise that someone like Randy Orton or even Edge would be telling more of a story in this wrestling match. We all knew that this wasn't going to be an AEW high-flying Pentagon Jr. or the Young Bucks doing all kinds of crazy maneuvers. That's not that's not Randy Orton. It's not Edge, and that's not how they tell stories. Um, but if you go into that, and anyone that's listening, I encourage you, go back into it and, and try to watch that match in the form of look for acts and try to see where one act starts, when one act finishes, and see when the next... Because I think it delivered. And in terms of the attention, now, I'm going to say it, today's audience, the problem is we're not conditioned to handle that kind of a length of match. Um, Unless you're a New Japan fan, because then you're conditioned. Yes, And and I think people need to go back and just like, you you need to get your mind in the right place to be able to sit and watch it. Like I said, if you're someone like, like Ed, you pop on your phone... You know, you're going to miss really the the magic that I feel Randy Orton is as a performer because everything he does is very strategic and timed and and done very well. Yeah, you know, you guys can make fun of me, but you know what? In many aspects, this was a very good match. No, and it was. And here's the thing that I also said to Corey and Chris, I know we talked about this too on the podcast this is what they can be doing with every wrestling match right now if they want to. They have the ability to edit and create any kind of match that they want to create. They Also, I noticed we're pumping in a lot more sound. We talked about that into this match. There was a lot more different camera views. And that's I, I'd say the biggest takeaway from this match is I want more of this style of editing for my wrestling matches because – you you know hypothetically could make anybody be a a four or five star match because you've got the time and energy to make cuts and actually stage the match out to be as good as you want it to be. So I don't think this match would have been as good as it actually was if it was a traditional wrestling match in front of a live crowd. I think we probably would have said, oh, okay, a decent match, but nothing nothing crazy. This match had the ability to be as good as it was. Because WWE had the ability to make it that good. And they need to do that with all their matches at this point. Now, I'm going to step in because now 
I I agree that the the editing and that aspect is what made this match definitely good. However, I do caution because I, I think Ed the way what he was saying is that WWE needs to do more of that. I disagree. And the reason why I disagree is eventually we're going to go back to having a crowd. So this kind of stuff can't work. Now, even if you decide to every once in a while to do a cinematic match, you know, do it only once in a while because guess what? The people that paid tickets to go to the actual show, a cinematic match isn't going to be – it's not good at the arena because they're going to have to go find a screen somewhere in the arena to be able to watch it. So – I don't think that this is the answer moving forward. This is the answer currently right now. Right. But I I worry if we do it too much, then the audience is going to want something like that, which isn't possible once we get back to arenas that are filled with crowds. That's true. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So as we said, this match was pre-taped, but it did work very well for them, and it did assure that they at least got a solid match in there. I enjoyed the... uh, classic entrance with the Madison Square Garden microphones and they had pre-recordings of the Fink doing both of these superstars entrance because obviously Fink did do entrances for both of these guys so Howard Finkel got to do this which had a nice big match feel and as well as a little bit of nostalgia and a little bit of emotion attached to it which was really cool and then as Ed did mention um, they did pump in a lot more crowd noise so there was a lot more just the roar of the crowd um, booing cheering and then they blended it in with the NXT superstars that were in the actual crowd to try to make it work. Um, there were moments where I got distracted where I would hear Samoa Joe talking, but then they would the camera would show Samoa Joe and he ain't saying nothing. He's just sitting there staring. So that threw me off, but that's just me and my obsession with watching the background of things. I watch extras in movies more than I watch the actual actors because it's just fun for me. So that's just my problem. Uh, but this was a solid like match, and as Corey said, it did go in acts, so we did have kind of like I said that opening that was very um wrestling mat base just kind of trying to get that edge and feeling each other out then they had the whole middle where they were really digging in and they were really trying to hit their big moves and finish the match then they kind of went into this when they were heading into their finish they were doing this thing where they were like really going through the generations so then it was like all right we're from here so let's start hitting moves of people that we wrestled back in the day so let's do the three amigos and let's do the olympic slam And can we talk about that for a second? Because I actually was ta- telling Ed when I noticed that they were starting to do the the finishing maneuvers of past talent. And I said to him, I was like, you know, what's interesting is they're doing finishing moves of not just past talent, but like the really good talent, some of the best in the business. And maybe that's another element to add to this match. If they're trying to create the greatest wrestling match, why not incorporate the moves of some of the greatest wrestlers to have performed in WWE. But do you think that that's a bad thing because of the fact that they were technically then no selling these finishes? I'll admit um, inside of me, I, I did think that, that the fact that they're kicking out of everybody's finisher, it does diminish that, uh, that finisher. And um, so in that aspect, I agree with you, Chris. Um, but I feel I think their intention was let's incorporate some of the the best moves of some of the best talent. I I, I don't think that that's what they were thinking, but I can understand why you think that way. It was just something that popped in my head. You know that and, I know that you know that I know that you think that we thought you thought that way. Exactly. 
you know how to get to my heart, buddy. And then as we then the storyline turned into Edge's neck. How can Edge can he handle all of this damage? Can he handle this? Can this is this gonna break him? He's not gonna make it. How deep will these guys go? And they kind of went there. We had blood in this match that I could not tell if it was real or not because it seemed like it came and went. But at the same time, once again, if this match was pre-taped, who knows how the order in which it was taped versus how it was edited. So it was hard to tell, but there was there was some color. There was some color that we did get in this match, which was interesting because it's been a while. Yeah. And then we came towards the finish after near fall after near fall after near fall. Orton ended up picking up the win with a leg slap. A leg slap. Yeah, what... he did. It, he did the punt. He did the punt on Orton after a low blow. So no, Orton or Randy, sorry, Edge, put uh, Randy Orton in the anti venom, I guess, sleeper hold. Yeah. And he and then Orton need Edge in the crotch, and then punted, which I just made me laugh because one, I always like seeing the punt because it's just vicious. But two, it made me laugh because of the fact that Randy Orton gave NXT in your house takeover last week such a hard time for leg slapping and that's how he finished the greatest wrestling match ever with a leg slap which so is about me. right that's that's randy orton to a team. I, I i love that you're digging into you know his his, his twitter <laughs> comments that he's posted recently nice little touch to that I just I found it funny. But it, let's, it was uh, but very fitting. Let's look at the finish. Bottom line is Orton winning. Uh, he needed to win. Yes, that that was a needed win, and it just goes to show this obviously is not done. And I'm excited about that because then it's like, okay, what can the next match be? Because I do think the next match will not just be a normal one on one. I think they're going to. It'll be something unique, and I'll, I'll be excited to see. Um, but it'll I, be a bash at the beach match. Maybe. So, but oh, it's, it's good stuff. And then I'm just hoping, I don't know if you were reading uh, stuff online, but the possibility Edge might have gotten injured in the match. Um, uh, there's word going around that he might have uh, tore his tricep. Mm. But uh, I looked in that match. Now, granted, that match was edited. So they, if he did injure himself, they would have edited. But uh, I, I didn't see anything in the actual match that, Showed that, but yes, there's some floating around today saying that he was uh, injured. Hmm. I yeah, hope not. I've been, I hope not either. So now, do you think this counts? Because Edge signed this new contract, this extension, or this new thing, and it was supposed to be three matches a year with several appearances. Do you think that this is he's two down? We get one more Edge match this year, and that's it. Or do you think so, that they took made exceptions or offered him more? Or what? What do you got, Corey? Dig well, in. I'm gonna be honest with you. This could be it for the year. Think about it. Rumble. Yeah. You can count mm. Rumble as a match. So, I mean, in theory, I, the three matches. Now, my opinion is they, they should do a SummerSlam match. So, and given, you know, how big SummerSlam is and if hopefully we can get a crowd, I'm not sure if, if that'll be possible. But um, but if we do get a crowd, I definitely can see uh, SummerSlam being his final match of the year. Yeah, I mean, I I have a feeling he'll still have a, maybe one or two more matches, but at the same time, it could be it. I I think if you ask Edge, I think Edge is also somebody who wants to get back in front of a live crowd. Um, he didn't come back to come into wrestling to not have that crowd around him. So I think you know if we do find ourselves in situations where crowds return, 
um, I feel Edge will be at that show somehow. So that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. But overall, Backlash, the greatest wrestling match ever. It was a solid night. I was entertained by just about everything that happened. I, I'm a mark for wrestling pay-per-views, man. I love yeah. just wrestling pay-per-views all over, and especially when they go out there. I've enjoyed them adding the crowds and the hockey hockey arena feel with the uh, boards and really kind of um, overall just kind of been enjoying just wrestling and have a lot of love for the product yeah yeah like i said enjoyed enjoyed backlash i think we all did i enjoyed the show it was a good show this was an amazing live experience that we've had talking about backlash but i backlash i think you know because of the this this backlash of of a backlash of a backlash of a backlash pay-per-view it is time for us to let these fine people nestle all snug in their beds and have visions of wwe sugar plums dancing in their heads and once again i apologize to the listeners for um having to endure for the first time ed and i being in the same room during At least we a, have it on video. A recording. Uh, clearly, this was a, a, a mistake. And um, right now, I'm wondering where my belt went because now it's missing. Thanks a lot, Ed. I was a 17-time champion. so He gets to take it home. He gets to take it home. But, yeah, that is our Ninjas Ruin Everything backlash reaction and review. Talking about what happened. We will be back this week with episode 71, I believe, of 123S Wrestling Podcast, where we'll dig into some of the news. I know we had some stuff with Paul Heyman and things that we need to dig into, and we will do that here the next episode. But we're glad for everybody who joined us on Facebook Live, everyone who's listened. Hopefully, I'm able to push this out to the feed here tonight. And glad everybody. Hope everyone enjoyed Backlash 2020, the greatest wrestling match ever. If you did or didn't agree or disagree, shoot us an email at 123yeswrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail over at anchor.fm, which is linked through our Facebook and the podcast services. Make sure you rate and review, follow and like. And gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. When we get together! Take it easy, guys. See ya.